Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot-tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West U.S. 36 in Danville, and 2238 West U.S. Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 31. 31- 745-2700 or by going to their website hawkeyestorageunits.com Hey everybody, this is Robert Mason hanging out with Alan on WYRC Turn it up! This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers. This is where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host... Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm Alan Kiger, your host, and my guest today is Aldo Nova. How are you doing today, Aldo? I'm doing great, Alan. And you? How's it, how, what's it like in sunny Indianapolis? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not sunny today, but it, it's okay. It's wintertime. That's what we have. Um, no complaints. Just uh, glad to be living life. Uh, you don't know about winter, so you live in Montreal, Canada. Trust me. You know, here we're, we're going to hit winter in two weeks. Tow trucks, uh, snow plows, uh, all over the place. <laughs> now, with, this wasn't part of the question, but since you said that, you know, you've made music most of your life. Uh, what keeps you in Canada and keeps you in that climate instead of moving to a warmer climate? You know, say, for instance, uh, Hollywood, you know, where a lot of rock stars are, or Nashville, where a lot of them have moved to now. What keeps you in Canada? I would never live in LA. No way. I mean, the most I've gotten down south is I lived in San Francisco, where when I was doing my first album, and I found my band there. But this is home. I was born here. I mean, I come from first generation Italian immigrants right off the boat. I speak Italian. I speak French. I speak English. So it's pretty, pretty multicultural, and I really enjoy it. And I got used to it. It's my home, and like you know, I, I raise my kids here, and I come back, and I'm a you interested in becoming a musician and who were your influences? My influence is pretty much I started playing when I was 13 and my influences were pretty much Jimi Hendrix uh, back then. I mean, you know, he was a, a groundbreaker and uh, I don't know, I just liked everything about him. He was creative in the studio, like an EXP on his album, I experienced. He's like all these sounds and the creative sounds he made and Chicago, one note at a time. 
So what made me want to start playing music is, um, I don't know, I just, when I heard Jimi Hendrix, I said I got to pick up the guitar. So. I, I like to hear everybody's story of, of how that how that happened to them. I think I think it's very interesting. That you know, have you heard anybody come up to you and say, "Hey, your influence of playing the guitar and singing has, has inspired me to become a guitar player"? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is. You know, sometimes I uh, I'm not the, uh, like the best guitar player there is, but like I'm not the fastest. I'm not the most eloquent. But what I what I do do is like what makes me different. I think is that the fact is that I play all the right notes at the right time, and they're well chosen. So I definitely have a, an identifiable vibrato, and my style is like I always play for the song. I, if I, I don't have to have like what I call diarrhea of the fretboard, playing that as many notes as you can in the shortest amount of time. Uh, I don't have that. I, I play by feel, and like I said, my notes are all chosen, and they're at the right place at the right time. So I guess that's what distinguishes me. And I get a lot of people who want to play like me, and sometimes, uh, I mean, I... Even when I stopped playing for a while, uh, my wife had to convince me that, you know, you, you play like you A lot of people want to play like you, so why don't you just play like you? You know, so I started over again. Oh, wow. Let's go way back to your uh, self-titled album that came out in 92, um, Out on Nova. Hey, if I read this correctly, you played every instrument on that album with the exception of the drums. How did you learn to play all the instruments, and what made you want to play them all? You know, instead of having studio musicians or a band in there, how did you choose that that's what you wanted to do, and you wanted to do it all? Well, because, uh, first of all, I, I cut my teeth uh, learning music, first of all, because I, I did what they call woodshedding. In other words, when I was 13, I, I heard Hendrix. I didn't come out of my room for two years, uh, except to go to school and eat dinner. And if I could have made dinner, if I, got, if I could have brought my guitar to dinner, a table, well, I would have, but, so I just wished it, and then by the time I was 16, I was already playing in clubs, doing uh, four sets a night, four nights a week, and by the time I was 17, I was earning my living just doing that. So I was doing, I was in a band doing covers, where we do two sets of disco, where you play all the greatest hits, two sets of uh, retro music dressed like Shalana, and two and a set of uh, uh, where we dress up like the Beatles and do all Beatles music. So by the time it came time to do my first album, I already was had ideas to write. So when I got into the studio. I already knew how to do harmonies from doing the Beatles. I already knew how to structure a song because I was playing song after after night. And I was basically, all my influences came out. And uh, I had the time to go into a studio and record some demos. And, you know, I was like the engineer. Of, uh, every time I asked him to do something, he was like, oh, you can't do that. Whereas... To me, it was like, it was very obvious to go from A to B was a straight line. And all these guys were taking zigzagging all over the place. So after a week, I fired the engineer and I just started doing it by myself. And that's, that's out of necessity. So in the clubs, I learned how to play keyboards. I learned how to sing. I learned how to play guitar properly. I learned how to harmonize. So I didn't really need anybody except the drums. I suck on drums, by the way, so. <laughs> okay. Well, this went out, that that album went on to be uh, double platinum with Fantasy uh, going as high as number three, number twenty three on the charts. 
Let's go ahead and listen to the song called Fantasy. That was the hit song Fantasy. In case you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Aldo Nova. Aldo, how did you get- how did you get to play with Bon Jovi, and what was that experience like? Uh, bon Jovi, when I was mixing my well, when I was making my first record, uh, the record company executive called Larry Pizzi, he had introduced me, and uh, I was mixing it with a Montreal guy, and the sound was not what I wanted. And then Lenny PC introduced me to Tony Bon Jovi, who built the Power Station, one of the biggest and best studios in the world, world we now. And um, Tony got a bombastic sound. He was just like, he's got a sound like no other. That's why my album's uh, subject and album all the sound as current today as they did back then. And um, so there was just this booming sound coming out, fancy and under the gun. And I go, I leave the room and out by the coffee machine, um, John Bon Jovi was always there. And now... uh, uh, I didn't know what he did. Uh, rumor has it he was a janitor, but I know he wasn't. Uh, so um, anyway, I invited him in and let him listen to the uh, to the songs. And of course, like everybody else, it was like blown away. I mean, he was he was young, seven years younger than me, so I was 24. So I guess that made him. Uh, I don't know. I can't calculate. You figure it out. Seventeen. He was 17 years old, right? So, uh, so basically, after that, with Tony kept on, uh, and then one day uh, Tony called me, and he said, uh, um, Tony was, uh, I think he was 40 years old, still wore braces, and he talked like a New York. He goes, Hey, you know, you gotta come down here. You gotta play on my kind of album, man. You gotta play on a song. So I said I went down there, and you know, Tony had all call, already called Roy Bitten, the piano players from the E Street Band, uh, Tim Pierce, the guitar player from Rick Springfield Band, Dewey McDonald on bass, uh, Frankie LaRocca on drums. Uh, there were no members of the original band there, and there was me on guitar, and there was John, and we did Runaway, and uh, that was that song went on to become a hit on the. Uh, the New York radio stations, and he took off from there. Yeah, I remember that. So that's how I, that's how, and that's how I met him. And uh, then we got to be really good friends, and then uh, we kept going on through the years and uh, doing stuff, and uh, you know, it evolved, and um, then I ended up doing work with him uh, on the Young Guns 2 record, and uh, did a lot of work with him doing demos and stuff like that, but and then I went into the Young Guns 2 record. Then in 1991, he signed me to his label. And uh, that's, you know, then I did Burn the Bricks for them. And uh, that's about it. I guess, you know, we've been Blue Refresh for a while. I haven't talked to the guy in 14 years now, but I mean, it was like, for a while, it was great. So that's like, Your past just haven't collided lately. Bon Jovi and so uh, 
you know, it's like a, I'm I'm here basically doing an Aldo Nobe interview. So it's good because you can't get away from your past. I mean, you are what you are today because of your past. Exactly. Yeah, you weren't. You you never you'd never be here if it wasn't for all the things you did in the past. Whether you're good or bad or lousy, you know, you are what you are because of your past. So I mean, you know, I'm here because my work in with Bon Jovi and all the other artists, whether they be Celine Dion, Faith Hill. you're talking about you started in 2008 called the life and times of eddie gage how did you how did you get that idea what what made you say hey i want to do a rock opera it just evolved i guess i just wanted that i just sort of had a vision of, the, of being on a big stage and i wanted to make a show that was a big production which by the way i have somebody uh looking for some serious financing to get this on a big stage now now this record's finished so what made me want to do it? Rock opera, I didn't want to make, I'd always done Aldo Nova, the first album. Second album, Subject, was a, a concept album. Third album, Twist, was an album which I despised because the record label got, was, got me to be a complete puppet, which I didn't enjoy. And so I quit the business from Now, when does the, you're going to release these, uh, what I read, like every two and a half weeks, 
when will the release start on these songs? Well, when I'm going to do first, those plans have changed because um, releasing a song with no uh, promotion and stuff like that. And if you notice, as, as you, you've dealt with now, I'm, I'm even doing my own promotion now because I hired promotion firms and didn't do a good job. So I took it upon myself to, to do my own promotion. Um, I've decided because COVID basically screwed everything up for everybody. Yeah. So what you, what, what you need to do is to get people to go to Spotify and listen to these things. So if you just release a song every two weeks without nobody knowing about it, then it's futile. So what I do is I concentrate on one song, and probably February I'm releasing a, a six-song EP uh, that I think you've heard. You've heard five songs out of it. I don't know if you listen to it. Yes. But uh, it's quite different, isn't it? Yes, it is. And they're, and they're all very different type of songs uh, with different styles. Uh, something I noticed, uh, you, you had wrote about it, you know, your voice is different, the music's different. Some of them have a hard rock feel. Some of them, to me, kind of have like a, almost like a new wave kind of feel. You know, if you go back 30 years, um, it's just a little different, all of them. Yeah, and there's one with a 40-piece orchestra with, uh, with a one voice. And it's like very uh, demonic sounding, very, it does sound very theater sounding. So, uh, so I, put, I put together a package that gives you the idea that it is a rock opera. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to release that in probably February 2021 and then start promoting that rather than just releasing a, one song every two weeks on Spotify with no, uh, let's call it a target. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. there's, no, there's no promotion saying, oh, I have a new song. You, you have to start over every two weeks with a different song. So what I'm doing now is just going to concentrate on one thing. And... Uh, and that's about it. I mean, COVID really, um, I was supposed to go on tour and I couldn't go on tour. So um, I decided to do those home COVID videos. And uh, they really helped my career a lot because a lot of people thought I was dead. And if you read the comments, uh, people were going, wow, you're he, still alive. And that happened a lot. People thought I was literally dead, physically dead. So uh, the COVID, you know, got people to uh, to notice that I was back and I was in good shape and my voice sounded great and my guitar playing was was bad. I was, you know, was was great. So um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I got a new a new rush of blood and uh, with the inspiration, my voice got better over the years. So uh, Eddie Gage, uh, the album just basically. Uh, is a combination of that, and uh, like I said, I'm releasing the album and the, the EP in February uh, 2021, and I'll concentrate on that. Okay, well, let's go ahead, let's play a song off of that new EP that'll be released called Hey Lottie Da. Hey Lottie Daddy. Hey Lottie Daddy. Okay, sorry, my fault there. Yeah. We're back. That was Hey Lottie Daddy. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Aldo Nova. And Aldo, before, before we heard that song, you had talked about how COVID had shut down everything and you were on Facebook doing, I, I want to call them Facebook concerts, but that's kind of how it got me reconnected with you. I remember getting your first album. I'm one of the two million people that went out there and purchased it. I think I had four or five albums at the time and yours was one of them. And, uh, I never really played guitar, but I had a guitar amp, and I'd plug my guitar amp into my turntable, 
and I could go outside in my yard and listen to your album while we were playing it. And it was nice and refreshing. You know, when I'm sitting in the house, stuck in here with COVID, like to the rest of the world, and, and you were there playing that song, and it brought back so many memories of my youth and times I had playing that song and shooting basketball in my backyard with my neighbors. Uh, I really appreciate that. It kept a lot of people to lock down. Nobody had anything to do. So what I decided to do was like, since I have my own facility, uh, it takes one camera. I just decided to start doing this home concerts and just just to sort of like get people to, you know, give like people maybe a seven minutes out of their day that they actually get exchanged. So I started doing one, I did another. And after a while, it was got such a, I started developing a following, like people were like expecting them. So uh, I do them and uh, I enjoy doing them. Uh, it's fun, you know, it's like, and then again, it gives you people, it gives people the chance to see that at 64 you still I still look great uh, I mean that I, that I don't look like I'm fat bald and whatever like uh, and I didn't let myself go so and I'm also doing something for my fans uh, you know the, the you know the it doesn't cost me anything it doesn't cost them anything you know, they, all, they all get a front row seat and it's not like they've got to uh, they've got to go see a concert, pay a thousand dollars for a seat, and then can't see anybody. I mean, you know, everybody's got a front row seat to see me play. Yeah. Now, do you do you see yourself going back out on tour when COVID is? Uh, I don't. I don't know how to. How do we even say that when it's not as bad as it is? When it's better? When there's? Um, I don't know. It screwed up the whole. The whole. In music industry um, used to I, I had to d decide you know I've got six people I can interview and I've only got two shows a month who am I going to pick and everybody quit touring and everybody laid off their public relations and, and times got tough but do you see yourself going back out on tour when COVID oh yeah Oh yeah, I can't wait to get back on tour and kick some serious butt. I mean, it's like I've got a, a serious bunch of badasses waiting playing with me. I've got like Timothy Gaines, ex striper on bass. I've got Billy Carmasi, the Carmasi brothers on drums. I've got Jack Frost on guitar, me on guitar. We're gonna destroy. Forget about it. I need to. See, I need to be a band that's gonna follow us. I feel sorry for them. So <laughs> I, I can't that. wait. It's true. I love that. I love that attitude. Um, something you mentioned before you went into talking about your rock opera, and I'm just going to bring this up for, for the people that are listening that might not know this. You mentioned doing work with Celine Dion. Um, I read you won a Grammy uh, in 1996 for, for producing one of her albums. Who all else have you worked with, and what was your relationship like with Celine Dion? when she was 14 or 15 years old. Uh, I had come, just come back off the... I had moved back to Montreal because of, uh, I, I didn't want to make another record for, for, for Sony or CBS, as it was called back then. So I just sat and waited them out. And um, an a &R from uh, from Montreal, who also worked for Columbia, uh, said I've got a new artist, but she's a French artist. And I want you to write and produce three songs for her on her album, her first first album on CBS. 
Um, and so uh, I did, and the fact that I speak French and write in French also, I wrote three songs for her, for her, one which was her first number one single up here, and then uh, that's how it started. Then after that, she needed a song that, uh, I had done a song with an artist called Angela Clemens in the case called Have a Heart, which she did in the French, which was called Je te vois partout. Now, she was playing the Juno Awards, which were the equivalent of the, the Canadian equivalent of the Grammys. Now, when they, the manager, her uh, husband that passed away, her, her manager, um, he said, well, we need a song. He said, he said, yeah, her have a heart. So I, I want to do have a heart. So I went to the studio on Friday, uh, did all the production on have a heart. She came in and sang on the Sunday. And then on the Monday, she went and did the Junos. And it was the first time she ever sang in English. So she performed my song, Have a Heart, with my production. And it was the first time she got signed to an English contract because of that song. So we go back a long ways. I mean, I've, been, I've written songs on every one of her albums. And as a matter of fact, on the last album that she did in 2007, I mean, that I was involved in called Taking Chances, I had five songs on it. Not one, not two, not three, not four. But five, so, uh, it's pretty, you know, so, um, pretty incredible. Now, also, it mentioned when I read on your biography, uh, you wrote songs for country artists. Uh, is there any country artists that we would know? Any songs we would recognize? Yeah, Faith Hill. She did a song Michael, I Love You. Uh, I've written songs for Clint Clay, Clay Aiken. Uh, uh, I've written a lot of French songs, a lot of, since I work, since I speak French, I work uh, over the other side in Europe also with big French singing artists like uh, Patrick Bruel, Francis Cabrel, Johnny Holiday. Uh, uh, so it's a completely, I can work both sides of the coin. And, you know, so, uh, I mean, as a writer, I've got a lot of, uh, a, lot, a lot of success. But like I said, I got to a point where I just want to write for myself be an artist for myself and go back to my roots, go back to like my first album and just be out on over. Actually, actually, let me, let me uh, make that more, go back to being Aldo Caparuccio, my real, my real name, go back to being myself. And Aldo Nova is a name that I use uh, professionally because most, I've used that more than I've used my real name. But I went home and I became Aldo Caparuccio and, uh, just became a dad and did my music and, you know, wrote a rock opera and in the meantime of being a dad and I just became a regular guy. And I feel more, I more, have more in common with everybody out there because I know how hard it is to earn a living and, and literally I starved and put food on the table than I do with these Bon Jovi's and Celine Dion's who are like make millions. I have nothing to do with those people. I have nothing in common. I'm in more... I'm like a downward, uh, you know, like a regular guy, have kids, uh, I've, you know, I, I've worked, uh, like put, put food on the table for my family, you know, I've, I've went through hard times and had some good times, but, you know, I know what it's like to be a regular, a regular person, a, a middle class person at the same time, so that's where I'm at mentally, you know what I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not a star, like in my head, so. I think that's great. And, you know, a lot of people that I interview, um, they have the same, a lot of them have the same attitude. I've run into a few that didn't, but um, I, I, I like real people. And I think people like 
listening to real people when you're doing the interviews. You know, some of the, you know, when before COVID got out here, I would go do an interview and I would go to the concert. I would go backstage. I would meet the people and maybe I'd talk about them on the next radio show and how cool they were, um, write about them. And, you know, every, everybody was generous and nice. And, and I'm ready to get back to that time and going out. And um, I can't imagine being the star of the, of the stage and performing, but the fans miss it. You know, we miss going and seeing the shows. Um, it's, it's something that excites us. So we're glad that you've been a part of our, our lives and have played music that, that have, you know, just helped be a soundtrack to our life. The, uh, the MTV era was like quite a, uh, an era to my life too because I was just, as I was coming on the scene, MTV had just started. And then I did that video of the fantasy where I show up in the leopard suit and the helicopter and the laser beam to do it. And that was like, wow, what is this guy? And that's just like, uh, it was fun. MTV, that's when, I think the 80s were a time where everything was so much more fun. We sit here, me and my wife, and we put on 80s. Uh, top 10 greatest hits and you know Rick Astley comes on or George Michael and all these guys we just had a great era of music you know what I mean really and it's just incredible we really did well Aldo thanks for being my guest today is there anything I didn't ask you that you would like to tell the listeners I think uh, that I'd like to tell the listeners <laughs> to have a good day and be well to wear your snowshoes in winter and uh, <laughs> Can people find you on social media? Well, you can find me on my my Facebook fan page, which is at Aldo Freakin' Nova, and uh, uh, so uh, that's where you'll find me the most. There is on social media or on YouTube. On my YouTube channel, you'll see all the COVID. Or you can punch in if you want to see all my COVID stuff. You just put in YouTube, punch in Aldo Nova COVID nineteen, and you'll see all my home videos. I think those are quite entertaining because it's actually uh, somebody actually singing and playing. And, you know, just seeing one guy with one camera playing all the way through the song is quite is quite something, I think, because it's really like, and, and again, I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's a fresh, it's a firmer receipt for everybody. It's like, you don't have to get the nosebleeds. You, it's a firmer receipt. You're in my living room. Or you're in my studio. So it's a, it's a great thing. Yes, it is. And I enjoyed it when I was watching them. So that's how it reconnected me. Well, Aldo, I, I really appreciate you being my guest today. Uh, I'm sure the listeners will enjoy this. And thanks for taking your time. I uh, hope you stay warm up there in Canada this winter. And uh, hope you and your family stay safe from this COVID. Okay, you too, Alan. It was great talking to you. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. Join us the first and third Sunday of every month at 11 a.m. on WYRZ. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty.
Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with three locations, 1303 East County Road 200 South in Danville, 7410 West US 36 in Danville, and 2238 West US Highway 36 in Danville. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 310 310- 745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com.